What's up, guys? Welcome back in to another episode of SSPN. My name's Jude McLaren alongside Ethan Quintero. Last time, I wasn't sure if it was going to be left or right, but I'm pretty sure now that it actually is how it shows up on Zoom. So right there, Ethan Quintero. If I'm wrong this time, then it's going to be really embarrassing and you would have already clicked off the video. But what you won't click off the video for is a Greg Popovich discussion, Ethan. Look, one one and two, I believe for Team USA and exhibition games. There's a lot of different opinions on this. I've talked to a lot of different people and they think that, oh, he's just trolling. They're they're not showing any scheme, you know, blah, blah, blah. But anyways, point is this past season is probably the most criticism that I know I feel like I've given Greg Popovich as a fan of the Spurs. Uh, I don't know how you feel, Ethan, but we definitely did harp on a lot of coaching decisions this past season that we maybe thought were a little bit questionable, maybe weren't sure if they were the right choice. And in all honesty with you, um, really before this this um, this rebuild, uh, you know, Tim Duncan leaving, Kawhi Leonard leaving, um, I never really disagreed with anything that Pop did. I mean, for the most part, maybe it was because I was too young to really understand what was going on, you know, with cap space and free agency and young players at the time. But I mean, when you stay in championship contention for that long, you know, basically from 1999 to 2014 or excuse me, 2017, really, um, you know, there's not much that you would think to criticize about, but now that we're in the years after and he's getting a little bit older, um, naturally, you know, sometimes at, you know, you can't, there's the phrase, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And with pop, we're still kind of figuring out if that phrase is true or not, because he moved to the small ball lineup this year, but we didn't necessarily see success rates out of it. Although, you know, Keldon did have some success before earlier in the, earlier in the season, but, you know, not something that, you know, produced a playoff caliber team, unfortunately. Yeah, and I want to preface my statements by saying Greg Popovich, 110% greatest coach of all time. Love him to death. Like you said, up until this year, I really haven't had any complaints about Greg Popovich as a coach and as a leader on this team. Um, everyone that's a Spurs fan loves his you know, hard-nosed developing strategies with young players. Um, and I think you can't teach old dogs new tricks. It's it's hard to say that with pop because he has been such a great adapter over the years. But I think part of the reason he was able to adapt to as basketball evolved um, was he had hall of famers, you know, so you can take, it, it doesn't your development and your, your improvement. It's a lot easier when you have three hall of famers on the team. Exactly. You can yeah. lean on Tim Duncan. You can lean on Manu, Tony, Kawhi to an extent for when he was here. Um, and now we don't have that, Hall of Famer to lean on. We had DeMar, but that was pretty much it. And when you have all these young players, I think he was just caught in a place of, you know, he hasn't been in this situation in a very long time. Plus, he hasn't really adapted his game yet to the modern NBA. And those two contributing factors, you know, led us to have a, a subpar season. Um, and and our, our season, our woes weren't entirely his fault. You know, I don't want to completely blame Greg Popovich because we didn't necessarily have the talent to win anyway, even if our coaching decisions had been perfect. Um, but I think you mentioned his adjustment to a small ball lineup. Really, we didn't play small, though, in my opinion. 
Does that make sense? We adjusted to a small ball lineup. We had a Keldon Johnson. At we had Keldon Johnson playing the four, but we didn't play small ball. Yeah. yeah we, and we, that we, was, and not to interrupt you, but that was kind of what I was trying to get at earlier. It's like, it's not that he's not trying the new tricks. You know what I mean? It's not that he's not mm. doing it, but it's, it's not, you know, he didn't come up in it like everybody else. Well, I mean, not everybody else came up in this necessarily, but you know, there's a lot younger coaches and, and, you know, younger players and, you know, that are more familiar, you know, with this style of play, even, even a Mike D'Antoni or something he, that's yeah. been around for forever. You know what I mean? There are a lot more coaches that have been a lot more involved and kind of in tune with this side of things. Um, or, I mean, maybe they've been, the Spurs have been in tune with it, but they haven't been using those schemes. You see yeah. what I'm saying until this year. So you know, you tried it, but it wasn't, unfortunately, it wasn't very, very effective. Mm -hmm. So, so you've got step one, but it's like, so, so I commend him for, you know, making that move and trying, but it's like, once again, I, that's why I kind of, I'm giving him a mulligan because he's the greatest coach of all time. But this year, we're really going to see if he can adapt to that sort of style of play. I, I really feel like, and that may be with Kelton Johnson playing the three and Lucas Samanich playing the four, or whoever is going to be there. Um, but it just it may the, the lineup itself may be a little bit bigger. But if we can adapt to the small ball space the floor style of play, that is something that we're going to learn this year. I think the biggest. Uh, issue I had with Popovich's coaching wasn't necessarily the style of play because the style of play when you really look at it it could have been simply we didn't have the talent or like the players that could you know effectively play that way you know how many shooters did we have we had Derek, we, we had one that sat there, on the bench after Patty. scoring 18 no, I, mm -hmm. I know I'm talking about Vassell because oh, yeah, the, yeah. the game that sticks out to me is when he just has that phenomenal game against the Suns. The Suns are literally like the one or two seed. And I know it's just one game in the regular season, but we still had hope. It was later in the year. And that was a big win for us. That was a that was a mm -hmm. big win for us. Devin Vassell had 18, seven of nine, came in, played like a stud, spaced the floor, played defense. I was like, okay, this is obviously helping us, right? Yeah. This It's very obvious that when we let Devin Vassell take shots instead of Patty Mills and Rudy Gay taking contested mid-range pull-ups. <laughs> this is and, and that's yeah. a Greg Popovich thing. I'm sorry. Like he's the one telling them to do that. That's a part of the game plan because he's like, we've got to trust in our vets. And I'm like, look, yes, I know we got to trust in our vets, but this kid just had 18 and is exactly is in and is fixing a need shooting um or a problem shooting that we need to be fixed. And then he doesn't play for the rest of the year, basically. And it's just like I don't, I don't get it at all. I know, I know he's a rookie, but he was playing more earlier in the season, never played bad. Then they just take his minutes away for no reason. And I know that maybe this is just one player, but it would have been different when they took his minutes away if he would have gone to the G League or something, but he just sat. So yeah. it was like... I that, that's know. what I was getting at originally. It was like, we didn't really have the talent other than, of course, you know, Devin and Patty and, and debatably Derek when he played. Um, as far as shooting the basketball, but his biggest mistake was continually going to the veterans instead of giving opportunities to other players. And like you said with Devin, I was thinking about this. One day. player. Yeah, the, the glaring mistake I thought in Popovich's coaching rarely was a play written for anyone to score other than Patty, Rudy, and DeMar. Like, think about that. If anyone else scored, it was usually off like a, 
a drive kick and he just happened to be open or a broken play where the ball ended up in someone else's hand or a DeJounte Murray isolation. Yes. Like the, the, the only plays we really had was Patty shooting a three off of a screen, Rudy isolation, drive kick, and then DeMar. DeMar isolation, isolation drive, drive kick. kick. Those are our three plays that he ever, like it felt like that he ran consistently. We didn't have a Devin Vassell running off a back, back screen to the opposite corner, getting an open three. We didn't have that play. We didn't have a play uh, for Lonnie Walker really to do that either. Lonnie, Lonnie became an isolation scorer when I thought most effectively he could have been an off-ball guy like a Devin. I thought that and that he would have became been a, a much better shooter this year. Yeah, I, don't know, I forget. I forget what the number was exactly. I know that that, that doesn't tell all, but 37, 30, 36 percent, somewhere around there, I believe 37. And I mean, you could just tell with his stroke, like it looks so much better even from mm-hmm. the first year. And he wasn't a bad three point shooter. No, he was kind of a little bit, you know, like, OK, needed some improvement. But it was like, you know, with Chip England, as if you're the Spurs, you don't you know, you don't worry about him becoming a decent three point shooter. Um, but I think. The other thing, just kind of going back to to pop and the Devin thing specifically, is it would be different if they weren't running nine man rotations, Ethan, but they were running nine man rotations, which means they could have had one more spot out there if they wanted to do a full lineup change. And I know you you want to keep DeMar in the game, especially late in the season, but it's like, I don't know. I didn't I I feel you can still like mesh lineups with 10 people in the game. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, like it it would be different if it was playoff time or something like that. But like, even if it was, it seems like Devin Vassell is a better, you know, three point shooter than, I mean, look, Rudy and Patty were some of our better three point shooters, but I think that that's just a testament to the amount of shooting that we have yeah. on the roster, which isn't that much. So yeah, I, I don't know if you get what I'm saying there, but I feel like I, it, you, you should ran, he should have ran 10 man, put Devin in. And I feel like that would have solved um, a lot of problems. I, I mean, you could even start him really. Yeah, I, I really feel like he's a plug and play guy. You could have started him and then moved Keldon off the bench. And that might have even helped things a lot. You know, not permanently, but just for right now with, you know, Derek and DeJounte being ball handlers as well as DeMar. If you just want somebody to, you know, be more of an off-ball shooter than a driver like Keldon was, um, you know, you don't have to force Keldon Johnson to be an off-ball shooter is I guess what I'm saying. Yeah. But. I get what you're saying. And you know what's funny, Jude? Watching, I've watched all three <laughs> games of Team USA basketball, the exhibition games. I don't know if you have or not. I actually haven't. I've watched, I watched the highlights of the second game, and then I watched a little bit of the Nigeria game. But. The Argentina game was yesterday. That's the one we won, 108-80. Mm-hmm. And that was a lot better as far as you know what the offense did. A lot of off-ball movement, a lot more passing. But the first two games that we lost, I felt like I was watching a Spurs game legitimately because it was like it was it was zach levine kevin durant and like damian lillard would take turns basically and bradley like they would all just take turns isolation drive and kick and then it was all they, they just couldn't find any cohesiveness there was no movement there was not a lot of passing other than drive and kicks and our defense especially on the perimeter as team usa was just abysmal like nigeria hit 23s like it was, it was like I was watching the Spurs game because we all know the Spurs for some reason, all teams get hot from the three point line when they play San Antonio and the San Antonio Spurs just couldn't find, you know, open shots. And that, it, it looked very much like a San Antonio Spurs game. Those first two. That's tough. That's yeah. tough. And I don't know, going, just going back to the Keldon Devin thing that 
I don't know. To be honest, I don't know exactly where I was going with that, but it was just, that was just some ideas. Like, I, I'm not saying that Devin should start over him, but mm-hmm. it was just like, if you have a shooter who's just somebody who really is just a three and D, like he's literally Danny Green. We talked about this. I yeah. mean, that's like, you might as well. I don't know. That would have, that seemed like it would have helped the team. I know so. what you're getting at. Danny Green started when Manu was clearly a better player, but Manu did, you know, he, facilitated and he did things offensively that Danny Green never could but next to TP you know Danny was perfect because he could just space the floor and make threes yeah and 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 we're just going to decide not to play him so yeah I don't know I don't know maybe he said something in practice or something like that but it that doesn't make sense with the whole narrative of the season I know that I'm just harping on this one Devin Vassell thing but I it really feels like he made a difference when he played this year, especially earlier in the season when we were playing him and we were kind of winning games. Yeah. Like even in that Charlotte game, it's just just like floor spacing is so important in, in, in today's modern NBA. So it's, it's just insane how, how influential that can be. And so though that's once again, where it'll, it'll be a test for pop. Um, we'll see what, we'll see what happens with the Olympics and in, in all likelihood. I mean, knock on wood, but in all likelihood, they'll probably win the gold medal. And if that happens, then, you know, all the, you know, talk, I guess will will go away of his criticism as a team USA coach, but I don't know. To me, it's like, if you got team USA, yeah, you can lose the two exhibition games, but if, you know, like I'm, I'm also not, I'm not too like low on that, but I'm also not too high on it. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause it's oh, yeah. still a, it's still a world championship, but it's like, okay, pop, you know, congrats. You, you yeah. have the best team and you won, you know, like, They'll so figure it out, but it's going to well, be a lot closer than it should be. <laughs> I agree. I agree with that one, 100%. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I guess that'll wrap up this, this pop discussion. Tell us what you guys think. And another reason that this got brought up was, um, Stephen A. Smith, I believe said on first take or something. And I know first take is just a show for literally just to say stuff to rile people up and get, get attention and make money off of it and get views. But he still did say that since Tim Duncan left, Greg Popovich hasn't looked the same, which I thought was kind of funny. Cause I feel like I kind of mentioned that. I think I mentioned that in another show or I, I don't know what happened or I don't know when it was, maybe I was just joking around with some friends and I was like, Timmy, what if Timmy just carried pop? Um, but <laughs> I don't know. it was just a joke, probably not, but you know, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. I don't think that, you know, Greg Popovich is, um, what's the word, uh, Overrated. just in invincible, or just like he, he can't be criticized, yeah. you know, like just because I'm criticizing him doesn't mean that like, like he's not the greatest coach of all time, in my opinion, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like, you know, like there were some bad playoff games for Jordan, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyways, but I'm trying to remember our second topic, Ethan. <laughs> it was the, uh, <laughs> Possible trade scenarios. Um, you were specifically okay, specific big, about big trades. Yes. Stuff like that. Yes. Yes. But before we get into that, y'all tell us in the comments what you think of, of Coach Pop. Is there any cause for concern? Do you think that he's, I mean, I feel like we're coming to the end regardless. Um, but do you feel like maybe, do, do you hope that next season is the last season? Do you want him to stay as long as possible? Tell us in the comments below. Um, but now we're going to talk about another big topic for the Spurs. And, you know, last time we talked about how there was a report from the athletic that talked about Derek white and DeJounte Murray being gettable. Um, 
But the second part of that tweet that we didn't really jump into, which I honestly think is more important than the Derek and DeJounte being in trade rumors. And that's just that the Spurs are a team to watch on draft night. And this kind of goes into the whole thing that has been the theme whenever we've gone on Rob's show, whenever we've talked about here, and it's that the Spurs are in control. They have 40 million in cap space. If they want to make a big move, they have money that other teams in the league don't have right now. Um, And this is the perfect opportunity for them to capitalize um, when a lot of the league is still locked up in cap space. Unfortunately, the free agent class isn't too crazy other than Kawhi Leonard. Um, So you're probably going to have to do that through a trade, which means either trading up in the draft to try to get another good young piece, maybe like a Scotty Barnes or something like that, or trading for a star like Zach Levine, which we've mentioned on the show, um, or somebody else, um, a veteran presence. We've even seen some rumors as well uh, of John Collins um, potentially going to the Spurs. We talked about that. We think that it's a lot less likely with the way that Atlanta's season went but the Spurs will have more money on the books to offer him than Atlanta um, and all the other teams involved, it looks like. So that actually might be a little bit more of a possibility than we think. Um, But I don't know. If I'm John Collins, I'm taking the pay cut and staying with that Atlanta team and trying to win a championship. But also, maybe he's just like, I want as much bread as possible. I want to take care of my family. I want to take care of myself. You can't hate on that. San Antonio is a winning culture. They got two other young stars locked up, you know, maybe in his eyes, he feels like, and he's like, heck yeah, I'll go play there. Um, I don't know. Those are all a lot of possibilities in the off season. What's your take on all of it, Ethan? Uh, I, I don't think any trades are going to happen as far as draft night. I feel like every time a media outlet says the Spurs are making moves or making calls, something big might happen. It never does. Uh, I think back to the night LaMarcus Aldridge was supposed to be traded, and we waited and waited and waited, and it never happened. We ended up working it out with him. I I don't think the Spurs will trade unless they can get a top three pick, and I don't think any of those top three teams are going to trade because I don't think we have anything worthwhile, honestly, to offer them because the only players that I would consider trading for are Evan Mobley and Cade Cunningham, really. Those two could make a huge difference on whatever team they land, uh, they land to. And the Spurs don't have anything to offer to get to them. Scotty Barnes is a great player, I think, but I think we can get someone at 12 without giving anything up that can maybe not equally help the team, but still benefit the team like an incredible amount. We talked about Usman Garuba. You talked about Kispert, you know, or like a Zaire Williams. That was a mm-hmm. guy that Rob mentioned that I yeah. hadn't thought of that. I was like, that would be a perfect fit too. Cause he's a, yep. even though he's, he can play the three um, he's still like six, eight, yeah. six, nine. And he's a, he's a switchable three, four, which is what we need in today's, in today's league. So Alperin Sangoon, there, there's a lot of options at 12. I don't, I don't see the Spurs giving up anything, especially one of our core players, like a DJ at Derek, just to move up and get someone, you know, a little bit better than what we could get if we didn't trade anybody. As far as John Collins or making a big sign and trade with DeMar or something like that, that I think is more likely um, only because there there are, like you said, there aren't any like superstars that are available for us other than Kawhi Leonard. That's not going to happen. But as a John Collins, a guy that's on the, the up and come and he still has a lot of uh, potential 
Just had he, a great playoff performance. Yes, and he fills a need for the Spurs that we greatly, you know, that power forward that is long and tall, 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, he can play a small ball center. He's athletic. He fits he can our... Stre- he can stretch the floor, but he also has a post game. <laughs> yes, exactly. That I mean, he fits such a big need for the Spurs right now. I could see us throwing maybe a little bit too much money at him. I texted you earlier. If we can get him for 20 mil or less a year, I know that's, I mean, that's a chunk of change even still, but I think we throw it at him just to see what happens. See I think can. so too. Like worst thing happens, you just trade him. Like, exactly. you know. And that's not this, unheard of. Yeah. Like, and then you can just kind of run it with DJ, Derek and, and John Collins and feel a little bit better about like, you know, your veteran leadership. You know, I know those guys are still super young, but it's like, what, DJ will be going into his fourth, fifth year? I, yeah. I don't know how long it's been, but it, it's it's been a long time. It's crazy. Like, I remember when DeJounte Murray wasn't playing, and I was, like, excited for him to play. Mm-hmm. And now he's been starting, yeah. which is – it's just crazy how time flies like that. Um, but, yeah, if, if he – I, I'm losing my train of thought. <laughs> no, no worries. Another thing I want to say real quick about John Collins. I think another reason the Spurs would consider giving him a, a, a pretty hefty contract to come play for the San Antonio Spurs. He's not a player that's going to take the ball away from our other young developing talent. He's a guy that can just slide in, fill his role and not be a ball dominant guy. Like, you know, I love DeMar DeRozan and he was our best player, but he was a ball dominant guy. Marcus Aldridge, ball dominant guy. John Collins can just improve the team without taking the ball away from DJ and Derek and Keldon and some of our other young talent. They can really share it and see who emerges as our next star. You know, all these guys will be on the same level. Basically we see who wants it the most. And I think also with John Collins, it opens up a a little bit more offensive opportunities too. We know how long the Spurs have loved the just, oh, we've got a guy who's got post moves. Let's just throw it down there and then have a bunch of other people run around. (laughs) And like, I know that that's not small ball and that's not really, you know, trending in the modern NBA. Um, And we were talking about how important it is to adapt to that earlier. But also, I still feel like if you give it to John Collins in the post, um, you know, there's some effective, uh, effective playmaking that can happen either with him getting a bucket or somebody, you know, running around off, off an off ball screen or something, whatever play they want to draw up, um, where he can pass it out to them and they can pull up. So, um, that's another thing that we haven't really had since LaMarcus left. And I feel like that was one of the reasons that, you know, we were able to kind of stay in the playoff race. Cause that's the other thing, the past two seasons, when it came down to like playoff race time, LaMarcus Aldridge has been out. And the year before when he was there, they made the playoffs. And I don't really think it's that crazy when you consider that, you know, they're a part, they made the bubble. Not everybody made the bubble. They made the play-in. Not everybody made the play-in. You know, if you add a healthy LaMarcus Aldridge, even if he's, you know, a little bit slower and older, you know, that's still like 18 or 20, you might get on those nights and that can, that can determine a win. So if you have somebody like John Collins, and Derek White and DeJounte, who are still young, but have had a good amount of NBA experience. Um, and, and a guy like John Collins, who just went on a deep playoff run, that would be huge for the Spurs um, this, this upcoming season, because then you can still stick with the youth movement. And while you do have some money, like, you know, tied to some of these guys, you're still probably going to have, even if you pay John Collins a lot, you know, somewhere between 20 million or less in cap space, you're, you're not going to be, you're not going to be, um, booked to like the max, you know what I mean? You're not going to be in the, the 
the the tax rate or whatever it's called, um, you're going to be far from that. So you can still kind of have some flexibility cap wise, maybe even end up moving one of those guys if you want to. But this season, you can have a better shot of winning and you can have an exciting young, young team with some more veteran leadership and experience. Um, even if it's not, you know, a DeMar DeRozan, Patty Mills, you know, Rudy Gay type older player. Mm-hmm. And, and let's be honest here. A lot of people have the argument, Jude, that they don't want to give John Collins a lot of money because what if someone comes along in the future, like a big star, and we have to throw like a, a huge bag at We them? still have to pay Kelton Johnson. Yes, that's all of that's true. I think Lonnie Walker's coming up too. Mm-hmm. And, but let's be honest here for a second. Other than the guys that we have and paying them to stay, the odds of us, as we are today, going out and just saying, hey, Giannis, or like, hey, you know, some yeah. some superstar, want to come over to San Antonio? Especially since Pop is, you know, leaving. I mean, I'm, I don't, we don't know yet, but he will be leaving sooner rather than later. Yeah. You know, with that on the line, no one's going to really want to come here just to be a spur, you know, it's in free agency one of our guys will have to emerge as a superstar or we will have to draft a superstar. That's just how it's going to be. End up trading one of them probably if Mm -hmm. that ends up being the case. Yes. And if we really want to get a superstar and we think that we have the, you know, the clout to maybe pull someone into San Antonio, they're not going to come unless our team is formidable already. And so we have to go sign these guys that aren't necessarily stars yet, but have that upside and can round out a team that can make a playoff push without a superstar. And if we can get to that point, then we can talk about making a trade or, you know, signing some big name to come and be the center center point of our team. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, uh, when I'm listening to what you're saying, I feel like the too long didn't read version is, are we going to get anybody better than John Collins? Like, yes, we may be overpaying for him, but are we really going to be competitive with anybody else who's demanding as much money as him? Who's better? You know what I mean? And the answer is no, probably. So, you know, the more that we're talking about this, I'm kind of just with you, like you said, at the beginning, I'm really, as we're having this conversation, I hadn't really thought about it too in depth, but I'm really feeling like throwing the bag at John Collins, Ethan, even if he declines it, it's like, okay, we still have 40 million. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like nothing, literally nothing bad happens. If, you don't get John Collins, then you just shoot for Kelly Oubre or, you know, some other four that's out there. Jamichael Green, I think is a free agent this year. And, you know, if that happens, then you can really, honestly, if that happens, you can just be like, all right, well then for sure, we're going to play Luca as mm-hmm. the backup for just because, you know, we're probably not going to have, you know, yeah. you know, our team's not going to be as good without John Collins as with John Collins. Um, and then you can go out for somebody, like I said, like a Kelly Oubre or something like that. But um yeah, I think I think honestly that should be that can kind of be the centerpiece. Um, unless Zach Levine's really available, which mm-hmm. I don't know. I I, I kind of doubt that. Spurs fans have been harping on that because he's friends with DeJounte and they're both from Seattle. Yeah. In reality, we've literally heard nothing about that being a possibility, where we have heard something about John Collins being a possibility. So as of right now, this seems like the big Spurs move. Will it happen? Unfortunately, probably not, because that's usually always how it works out. And I've been doing a little bit of digging about that Zach Levine thing. And just as hyped as some Spurs fans are about a possible like reunion with DeJounte and Zach Levine in San Antonio, Chicago fans and Chicago media, they think the same thing about DeJounte being traded to Chicago. Like both sides want what we like what the other side has. So, what would they yeah. give us? Kobe White? 
They haven't said anything. I just, you know how there's like all kinds of Spurs fan pages and Spurs media, Instagram pages, stuff like that. Well, I've, I've been looking at some Chicago Bulls and they have like DeJounte yeah. number five Bulls and they're like, make it happen. What they've been saying is that they would sign and trade Laurie Markin into us because they're like, oh, Spurs want Laurie. I don't want that. Spurs no, want we don't Laurie. want him anymore. Like, we don't really we, want Laurie. We don't want him anymore. Yeah. Not unless we can get him. Three for years like, ago, we wanted him. <laughs> yeah. We'll take him for like $8 million a year, max. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I'm, not, I'm not giving him a John Collins size bag. Yeah. No. Not at all. No, that's not a, yeah, that's what I was saying. I'd rather have, I mean, I don't even, I still don't think that this would be an even trade, but if we were going to trade DeJounte, I'd much rather have like a Kobe White or I don't know, anybody, Patrick Williams, Patrick, anybody, yeah. anybody else on the roster <laughs> other than yeah. Laurie Markin. <laughs> yeah, but the Bulls are in a weird spot because they've, they've traded to get Vucevic thinking that they could win now with him and Zach Levine. And it Which didn't really I thought the out. DeMar thing might be a little bit, you know, but oh. I don't know, but it's like at the same time, if, if I'm any NBA team and I see DeMar DeRozan, I'm like, Oh, that's great in the regular season. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, you're right. Unfortunately, yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like, he's also not that trade. Well, I don't know. Maybe yeah. he would. That's what I was thinking. I was like, maybe there's some beef or not beef, but Vucevic and Levine didn't work out there at the end of the season. So we yeah. send them, we send them, uh, we send him to Mar and like the cell or something. I don't and know. Apparently they're still on the table right now. Discussions between the Lakers and the Spurs uh, sign and trade DeMar DeRozan to the LA Lakers for Kuzma. I think it was Montrez Don't, want, Darryl, don't know. First round pick. No, I no. wouldn't mind Trez. No. I don't want Kuz. I don't think Kuz no. is Spurs. Uh, I wouldn't mind Trez, but we definitely I don't even want Trez. I wouldn't I don't mind want trade. any of them. He, I don't isn't want his either deal of them. expiring? We could use some, some some aggressive center power forward play. Drew Eubanks is basically Montrose Harrell. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, and he's taller. There's no, I don't think that there's a lot of other opportunity. If we want something out of Demar, that's probably our best opportunity to get something out of Demar, or we just let him walk, because I don't think there's going to be a lot of other teams interested in him as far as signing and trading. The picks aren't going to be good anyways, unless it's yeah. like 2028, 20, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. He That's just be, me. Because I think other teams are going to say, sure, we could maybe trade a, like a pick or two and a, and a role player for DeMar, but he's going to be available. Like he's going to be there. He's yeah, why would they trade agent. him? Why would we trade So yeah. yeah, I think that's the only real opportunity other than maybe Atlanta, but I think that's, I think we might have a better opportunity to just throw a bag at John Collins than sign and trade Demar or John. Collins. I, I 100% agree with that. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the same situation. It's like, why would we, why would we do this when we could just sign offer him the money? Yeah. yeah. And um, which is the John. same thing with, with Demar, you know, how yeah. other teams are feeling about that. So yeah. 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 The Spurs, the Spurs are just so interesting. They're so interesting, Ethan. And we're just, we're just like ducks in a pond and we're just sitting and waiting until the rain comes, you know, mm. we're just waiting for, for a big, a big moment. You know, it's like, we could, we could either have the apocalypse coming towards us or we could have, you know, sunshine and rainbows coming. And, you know, right now we're just, we're just sitting in the waiting room and, you know, they're going to, they're going to tell us where, which door we're going to go into. So yeah. that's, it's just, except it's the future of the Spurs franchise. My last note. <laughs> San Antonio Spurs NBA Finals 2024. You heard it All here right, first. Ethan. You heard it All here right. first. 
You heard it here first. It's going to happen. Hey, no, but you know what I I do want to talk about just to end off the show. So I was watching some of Rob's old episode Spurs Film Room. A lot of y'all that subscribed to us found us from him. So want to shout out to you guys. Um, but the thing is, is he had this episode where he talked about like the future of like the franchise. And it was literally the one before we went on. And he literally just breaks down like, okay, here's our roster. Here's everybody. Here's where we can go. Here's how we can go with things. Here's how we can make a big move. And he makes a pretty good case that the Spurs are already rebuilding right now. I think the video is called like the Spurs rebuilding in, in plain sight. And it's basically saying that now they're like handing off the keys to this season. They're handing off the keys to Derek and DeJounte. Mm -hmm. And now they're going to be the ones taking shots. And, you know, Lucas, this is going to be his developmental breakout year. I don't know. I don't know. I'm excited for it. I don't, I don't, I got to see it with Lucas Samanich, man. I hope that he can become something, but I got to see it before I have any hope. But anyways, wanted to say shout out to him. And if you guys like us are just kind of like, like I was saying, like it, it's this weird time in Spurs history where it's the first time ever in franchise history we've missed the playoffs in two years, and we've got a bunch of cap space that the league doesn't have. We've got a lot of opportunity and a lot of control, and so that that really breaks it down. It's like an hour and a half or something if you really want to dive deep, but he does a really good job of just kind of showing where we're at. So, Cool. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, man. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode. My name's Jude. That's been Ethan. This has been SSPN. We appreciate you guys listening. We'll be back. We'll be talking soon. We got the draft at the end of this month. We're going to shoot for 40 likes on this video. That would be our all-time like goal. We got close, like 38, 39 a couple of times. So if y'all could smash the like button on this video, get us to 40 likes, that'd be pretty dope. Um, And we're going to keep doing keep doing some stuff we're going to keep putting out pods um and you know once that draft happens once free agency happens you know that's when all the the big bananas will be coming out um and then before we know it it will be basketball season again i think are they starting on time this year are they starting in october are they starting early again or did it, is it getting pushed back uh i have no idea actually y'all tell us in the comments y'all yep. tell us in the comments because i think that they might be pushing it back it might not be you know as smooth sailing as they wanted it to be with all the injuries and everything but Mm -hmm. anyways this has been sspn thank you guys so much for watching we'll be back soon and we'll catch you guys in the next one